Hello and welcome to Family Law in the UK. My name is Natasha Slabas and I'm presenting to you this episode 11 which expands upon my previous episode on child maintenance explained. Essentially I talked about top-up orders and the ways in which the court will consider the ability of a parent to apply for a maintenance order for children where the ex-partner or the parent of their child is a high earner or earns, in other words, over £156,000 per annum gross, less any pensions. Now, I discussed the case by Mostyn of CB and KB, where he had talked through how to calculate the amounts that should be ordered based on a cap of £650,000 per annum. And that if the other earner had earned in excess of 650000 per annum, then the result given uh, wouldn't mean there would be full discretionary freedom to depart from the usual calculation that's done via the ch- child maintenance service, but that it obviously would be somewhat higher. So I'm now going to just go through a very broad brush um, set of examples of how you can get around the limitations of being stuck with a court order where you're only given a year's worth of child maintenance because there is no provision that the court can make if they're a low earner, i.e. they earn less than £156,000 per annum per year gross, less any pensions, and so that you can basically think about other avenues to uh, pursue and create some longevity out of that order. So the first example might be that you try to get a global maintenance award. That's otherwise known as a Siegel order. Now a Siegel order is where the majority of the global maintenance order comprises of spousal maintenance and the remainder comprises of the child maintenance element. Now, that order can be agreed or it can be ordered by the court. So that will provide for a global, as it says on the tin order, that will give you more um, than you might get under a child maintenance assessment. And it can be adjusted pound for pound to reflect an increase or decrease in any child maintenance so that the global maintenance payments are maintained. Now, that can continue and and subsist in an order for as long as the child is an age under 18 and that guarantees, therefore, that you get that certain level of child maintenance, even if that person is earning under £156,000 per annum. The court will obviously apply various factors to how it considers making that type of order. Now, the other way that you can agree on a higher amount of child maintenance is if you both agree to it, and you can do that, um, the chances are that if you're listening to this, you may not have gotten to that stage where you can agree on such issues with your ex-partner. So that could be recorded in the instance that you have agreed in a separation agreement. The other way of 
playing a trick, let's say, on the 12-month usual limitation on when you get an order for child maintenance ratified within an order before it's capable of being varied is by applying what's known in the legal family profession as a Christmas order. That has the ability of renewing itself on the eve of the anniversary of one year following the implementation of an order so that each year up until the child's reaching of its age of majority that element of the child maintenance provision is recorded in the order as refreshing itself and it has the effect of stopping that paying parent from reverting to the child maintenance service 12 months later and it's a very useful way of making sure that you have certainty of terms and you stop parents who want to pay as little as possible from going to vary it within the 12, well, once the 12 month mark has expired after the ratification of the order. So, those are some ways of dealing with how you can bypass the usual rule that you're stuck with the child maintenance service and their very low assessment and the one year rule. Uh, There are other ways of obtaining child maintenance if you are no longer married uh, and you never married and that is via Schedule 1 of the Children Act 1989. So Schedule 1 provides for unmarried couples who have had a child together and it doesn't matter whether there's what was formerly known as a residence order in force, which is a now lives with order, setting out that child lives with you or not. But they can be made automatically by the person in whose favour the residence order is made and in force. And they can order the other parent to make the uh, payment to the parent with whom the child lives for the child's benefit or to the child themselves such periodical payments for a term as specified in an order. And another thing that can be done is that a lump sum can also be specified. So Schedule 1 is quite useful if you've not made and you find that you're in a difficult position where you have not got a proper uh, maintenance sum and you also need to have a roof over your head for the benefit of your ability to look after the child post-separation. Now, you can also ask for a lump sum or series of lump sums, which is to meet specific expenses or provision of the property during the child's age and minority. But the distinction between Schedule 1 and the Matrimonial Causes Act, which is the legislation for governing, governing divorce, is that the benefit of the property and lump sums to assist you in maintaining that property can only last for the duration of the child's age and minority, or in some cases, but rarely given, up to their completion of their first tertiary degree, with or without a gap year, you must get a maximum maintenance calculation from the child maintenance service first 
And there sometimes can be problems in getting that. So it's very important that you apply to the child maintenance service for that initially. There can't be any application otherwise. And you then will make your substantive application to the family court once that maintenance calculation is in force or if they say that they lack jurisdiction uh, because they've uh, got a high earner. So that's another way of being able to get some more proper uh, form of maintenance and support post-separation. Now in the Schedule 1 of the Children Act section it makes clear the proposed payer must be a parent or step-parent in relation to whom the child was or is a child of the family and the pro proposed payee must be a parent, guardian, special guardian or person in whose favour a child arrangements order as to with whom a child is to live which is known as the residence order has been made or the child themselves if they are over the age of 18 and their parents do not live together which is extremely rarely used by a child directly, but as I just said, it can be used. So those are just some examples. In my next podcast, I'll be talking in more detail about how to go about making an application under Schedule 1 of the Children Act, which is more and more commonly used as we see less people getting married. So I hope that you found that useful. And if you have any questions, as always, please get in touch with me.